Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Twelve Huntsmen. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. There was once a king's son who was betrothed to a maiden whom he loved very much. And when he was sitting beside her and very happy, news came that his father lay sick and dying and desired to see him once again before his end. Then he said to his beloved, I must go now and leave you. I give you a ring as a remembrance of me. When I am king, I will return and fetch you. So he rode away, and when he reached his father, The latter was dangerously ill and near his death. He said to him, Dear son, I wish to see you once again before my end. Promise me to marry as I wish. And he named a certain king's daughter who was to be his wife. Wait, okay. This is awkward. So he's basically, he's got a girlfriend. (laughs) They're quite happy together. Very happy, very much in love. I mean, he's given her a ring, which is basically like proposing. Yeah. He's proposed, basically. He's proposed, yeah. And now, ah, would you believe it? But his dad's dying wish is that he marries someone else. Oh, that's yeah. awkward. The son was so upset that he did not think what he was doing and said, Yes, dear father, your will shall be done. And then the king shut his eyes and died. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that just tickled me. It probably shouldn't an, have an done. An old man dying. <laughs> You're a sick person. I am. Um, you're up to speed, right? We're all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully okay. up to speed. When the son had been proclaimed king and the time of mourning was over, he was forced to keep the promise which he had given his father and sent to the king's daughter to ask her hand in marriage, and she was promised to him. His first betrothed heard of this and fretted so much about his faithlessness that she nearly died. Then her oh. father said to her, Dearest child, why are you so sad? You shall have whatever you want. She thought for a moment and said, Dear father, I wish for 11 girls exactly like myself in face, figure and size. (laughs) Okay. The father said, If it is possible, your desire shall be fulfilled. And he ordered a search to be made of his whole kingdom until 11 young maidens were found who exactly resembled his daughter in face, figure and size. Imagine... Yeah, there's no way he could have predicted that. He said, you, oh, I hate seeing you so upset. You can have anything you want. She goes, thanks for asking. I want 11 body doubles. <laughs> I t- t- sorry, dear, what was that? Did you say a PlayStation? <laughs> exactly. Okay, if it's possible, you got it. That's probably not going to be possible. Anyway, the, the, the search is on. Well, let's just check in. Are you, we aren't up to speed at who, who's who because um, yeah. sort of names keep changing and stuff. So, so he, I think we, we've sort of shifted perspective now and we're on the ex-fiancé. Yes. Um, who has asked for 11 body doubles, basically. And he's found them. Dad's delivered. No way. Yep. He's 11 got it. doppelgangers. When they came to the king's daughter, the uh, doppelgangers... She had 12 suits of hunter's clothes made, all alike, and the 11 maidens had to put on the hunter's clothes, and she herself put on the 12th suit. Then she took leave of her father and rode away with them, and rode to the court of her former betrothed, whom she loved so dearly. 
Then she inquired if he required any hunters, and if he would take the whole of them into his service. The king looked at her, and did not know her, but as they were such handsome fellows, he said, Yes, and that he would willingly take them, and now they were the king's twelve huntsmen. <laughs> so that's her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, and they've dressed up as twelve blokes, and he's gone, these are twelve good-looking blokes, Yeah, and accepted them into his yeah. court as his huntsmen. It's pretty messed up. It's, yeah, what a story. <laughs> the king, however, had a lion, which was a wondrous animal, for he knew all concealed and secret things. <laughs> Can't just throw that in there. Okay, magic lion. It came to pass that one evening the lion said to the king, You think you have twelve hunters? Yes, said the king. They are twelve hunters. The lion continued, You are mistaken. They are twelve girls. The king said, That cannot be true. How will you prove that to me? Oh, just let some peas be strewn in your anteroom, answered the lion, and then we will soon see it. Men have a firm step, and when they walk over the peas, none of them stir. But girls trip and skip and drag their feet, and the peas roll about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who is this lion? I... <laughs> the king was well pleased with the council and caused the peas to be strewn. What is this logic? That's not a thing. That's not... <laughs> Uh-oh, the lion's angered Adam. Incredibly, not just retrograde opinions, but like bizarre retrograde opinions. <laughs> like, that's not even a stereotype. Yeah, but the king was like, that is a brilliant that idea. That is so, what a great observation, women that. dragging their feet. They're going to yeah, trip yeah, yeah. over these peas. Can't think of any other way to check if they're No, women. there's no other way. There's no other way. Go with the peas every time. So, well, the, the trap's been set now. I mean, this is really dangerous for our huntsmen, isn't it? What, uh, they're going to trip over some peas? Well, yeah. I mean, how are they going to pass that test? I don't know. Well, fortunately, there was, however, a servant of the king's who favoured the hunters. And when he heard that they were going to be put to this test, he went to them and repeated everything and said, The lion wants to make the king believe that you were girls. Then the king's daughter thanked him and said to her maidens, Have some strength and step firmly on the peas. So, next morning, when the king had the twelve hunters called before him, and they came into the anteroom where the peas were lying. They stepped so firmly on them and had such a strong, sure walk that not one of the peas <laughs> either rolled or stirred. <laughs> They've done a great <laughs> job <laughs> there. <laughs> They're stepping very firmly with such purpose. Then they went away again, and the king said to the lion, You have lied to me. They walk just like men. The lion said, They have got to know that they were going to be put to the test and have assumed some strength. Just let twelve spinning wheels be brought into the anteroom some day, and they will go to them and be pleased with them. And that is what no man would do. <laughs> this lion. The king liked the advice and had the spinning wheels placed in the anteroom. So they're not out of the woods yet. We've got another test here. I just, this lion. I just, what is his problem? You're not a fan of the lion. Not a fan of the lion. Look, the sex is tell lion. you how you can catch him out. Put in some spinning wheels. They won't be able to help themselves. <laughs> it's awful. Okay. What, does this work? Well, let's find out. <laughs> I mean, what exactly? Like, how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. There is no way. Well, fortunately, again, the servant who was well disposed to the hunters went to them and disclosed the project. Then, when they were alone, the king's daughter said to her 11 girls, Have some constraint on yourselves and do not look round at the spinning wheels. <laughs> Next morning, when the king had his 12 hunters summoned, they went through the anteroom and never once looked at the spinning wheels. Then no. the king again said to the lion, 
You have deceived me. They are men, for they have not looked at the spinning wheels. The lion replied, They have learned that they were going to be put to the test and have restrained themselves. The king, however, would no longer believe the lion. So it's all good now. They passed yeah, the yeah. test. They passed and both they're, tests. They're employed as hunters now for the Excellent. king. So the twelve huntsmen always followed the king to the chase, and his liking for them continually increased. Now it came to pass that when they were out hunting, news came that the king's betrothed was approaching. So that's his new his new uh, oh, promised bride. She's yeah. on her way. Yeah, yeah. He's out hunting with the twelve huntsmen. And when the true bride heard that, it hurt her so much that her heart was almost broken, and she fell fainting to the ground. The king thought something had happened to his dear huntsman, ran up to him, wanted to help him, and drew his glove off. Then he saw the ring, which he had given to his first bride, and when he looked in her face, he recognized her. Then his heart was so touched that he kissed her, and when she opened her eyes, he said, You are mine, and I am yours, and no one in the world can alter that. He sent a messenger to the other bride, and entreated her to return to her own kingdom, for he had a wife already, and a man who had just found an old dish did not require a new one. <laughs> Soon the wedding was celebrated, and the lion was again taken into favour, because, after all, he had told the truth. The end. is unimpressed what is that oh you're so unimpressed i'm so unimpressed wow what <laughs> it happens seemingly once a series you just i do not get on with the story no. at all that is a disgrace <laughs> um what 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 just happened at the end there but basically this whole time he doesn't recognise the love of his life yeah. until he takes her glove off, recognises the ring, then looks in her face and goes, oh, I knew I'd seen you some before. You're the love of my life. <laughs> Kisses her. And then she just forgives him. Mm. I thought she was going to get payback for just ditching her. But it was never implied at any point that she was like angry about anything that's happening at all. Do you know what I mean? She was just out to win him back. Yeah, but I thought maybe there'd be some fun yeah. like get like get into his court and then wreak havoc or something. But instead, yeah. she just goes right back to him and then the story ends with what's that? <laughs> he says um, get rid of my wife because I've actually already got a wife, even though he doesn't. A man who had just found an old dish did not require a new dish. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, but if you... Wait, no, that... What? Let's let's examine that for a second, right? Yeah. You have a dish. Yeah. It's a great dish. You use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You misplace it. Where's my dish gone? Oh, no, I have to get a new one. Yeah. You get a new dish. Yeah. You then find your old dish. Yeah. You don't then go... You don't just immediately chuck out the, the new dish. No, you'd put it in the cupboard, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, you'd have two dishes. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, well, that wouldn't work either. <laughs> in <this> situation. <laughs> That'd be a different ending to the fairy tale. Because <laughs> a man who's got a new dish has two dishes. Keep the old dish <laughs> and enjoy both dishes. No, that would be a very different story. And then it, the story actually ends with saying, yeah. yeah, but the line was right all along. It's like, yeah, I don't exactly. care. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> I love how much you hated the lion. And then I hate the, the lion. final line is like, actually, the lion was great. And we all love the lion. <laughs> the lion's great. Wow. Uh, you I'm, can't win them all, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought, you know, with you saying like you didn't recognize her at all. I was like, she, presumably she wanted to be kind of like hidden. Like she was, she, you know, she was disguising herself. Yeah. So it's like, okay, maybe she wanted to have like a band with her some kind of posse with her but did they all have to look exactly yeah. like her surely that just makes it more likely he'd recognize her yeah you know what i mean the fact that he's seeing her face 12 times or, or he'd think there are 12 identical looking men yeah like which is weird it might you know it might be he might just think something's a bit rum here you know yeah some alarm bells start ringing it's an impractical plan, is well, my it point. Isn't, yeah, that is a real shame, because I thought maybe some brilliant tricks would be played by having... Mm-hmm. I mean, totally squandering this great opportunity that's been afforded her by having 11 people that look exactly like her. Fantastic setup for a story, right? Yeah. So you've got this, like, um, uh, fiancé who's been kind of abandoned. She gets 11 identical women. Yeah. They all dress up and disguise themselves as huntsmen and get into the king's yeah. court. Like, what a brilliant setup that is for a yeah, story. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then it kind of goes off the rails a bit. Totally. It? It's got a magical lion, a magical, a magical <laughs> sexist lion who <laughs> totally takes over the story. I, I don't know why. And then uh, they just fall back in love. You're right. Yeah. I feel like Shakespeare would have taken that premise and run with it. Don't you? Yeah. Maybe I'm just thinking of a specific Shakespeare play. I can't believe you brought Shakespeare up here. I know, I did it. <laughs> Why am I bringing up Shakespeare? Well, I think there's lots of, in Shakespeare, there's lots of, like, um, disguising yourself. And you don't know d- that your lover's wi- there. as women and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, but so I, I, yeah, I agree. I feel like it's a bit of a squandered opportunity. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but, you know, and then they bring in a lion. Like, the king's got a magical lion friend. Like, brilliant, but all goes wrong, doesn't it? It does. Because yeah. they see right through the P test and the um, and the spinning wheel test. Absolutely ludicrous. Test. Mental, isn't it? Yeah. What is that? A little bit about? reminiscent of the the princess and the P, maybe. There, I thought. Yeah. The P test. Except in in that, it's kind of the opposite. She can feel a P over uh, mm-hmm. under uh, loads of mattresses. The point being that she is a true princess. Right. Whereas here, <laughs> women are known for tripping <laughs> over peas. <laughs> they well, it doesn't they drag their sense. feet. You know how women drag their feet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. Okay. One thing that might help us all here to sort of diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a, a commentator suggested that perhaps this story might be a joke. Okay. Because if you think, and th- this also applies to the six swans, our last story we did. If you think that in many cases, you know, these folk tales spread by word of mouth, were told by regular everyday people, often women. So often you would have women who would sit together and spin and do those kinds of domestic chores. And while they were doing it, they would share stories. Okay. So potentially you can see a scenario where a load of women are telling this story and then they start telling this bit about the test, like with the peas and the spinning, like, oh, they won't be able to resist looking at the spinning. And they're kind of laughing about it because it's a bit of a joke. Right. Can you see that? So they're laughing at... Just like the, the, the it, it's men's like, idea of them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
Okay, yeah, I can see that. I it's, it's just an interpretation. Uh, interesting. Because obviously this, this story obviously was like circulated as a folk story. Mm -hmm. Then it was told to the Brothers Grimm, who then made several versions of it, which has then been translated into English, which I have now just read you. So maybe something's a little bit lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. Sure. You know, you don't look convinced. No, no, I, I can see that. I mean, it does have that feel to it. Um, some stories are inherently more comical. Mm -hmm. I guess this is on the more comical side. So the idea of it just being yeah. a funny story. But it doesn't feel like it when you read it. It doesn't feel no. like a funny story. You know what I mean? But maybe that's because it's been filtered so much, mm. if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I just, why, why the lion? <laughs> the lion. Why does it have to be a lion? Well, yeah, I know. What's that all about? <laughs> why has he got a... Aslan up in here? <laughs> well, I thought, you know, I was thinking about the lion and I don't know why it's an actual lion. But um, what it made me think is that possibly it's a bit of a reformulation of the standard fairy tale formula. Mm -hmm. So the classical fairy tale is you have a hero or heroine, they have to leave home, usually go into a forest, they meet a magical helper who then helps them to win a challenge or overcome an obstacle, and then they get married to a royal person. That's kind of the classic mold of yeah. a fairy tale. And I thought maybe the 12 Huntsman is like a messed up version where the magical helper is the one causing her the problems. Yeah. So normally in a story, the talking lion would help you to do something. But in this one, yeah, he's yeah. actually setting the challenges. And that's interesting as well, because like what that means is everything in this story is entirely resolved by humans, not magic. Yeah. She gets the disguises sorted all herself. The servant then provides the information. Uh, which also made me think, did maybe the servant know that they were actually girls in disguise? And there's well, that element. Know. But essentially it's all fixed through human agency. Yeah. And no. then maybe that final line of like the lions come back into the fold is because actually she needed to go through that test that the lion had set up. Maybe, I don't know. Well, that seems tenuous. But yeah. In yeah, general. yeah. Well, because, yeah, you're right. The tests are irrelevant to this story in a way because... They didn't like they put, they set some tests and they passed them and then carried mm. on with the plan as like what we didn't need those tests, <laughs> did we? Well, I suppose ultimately she could have just gone around there and said, "Oh hi, did you forget about That's me?" It's like, "Oh yeah, no, I really, actually really love you. I promised to marry you. Let's get yeah. married." Yeah, I don't understand. Less I actually don't story. understand the story at all. <laughs> no, I'm realizing more and more because when his dad died, why didn't you just say, "I mean." It's too late. I'm going to marry you. I no, I get that. I, I get that because you kind of, you feel duty bound. Yeah. But then if he felt duty bound, why does he now no longer feel duty bound? Yeah. <laughs> like what's well, changed? There's almost the kind of in a romantic sense, like as in, you know, romanticism sense. You, it's like a bit of a, like love conquers duty by the end of yeah. the story, which kind of appeals to that like, romantic sensibility, maybe. I guess so. And he's in a sense in an arranged marriage. Yeah. Which isn't her fault, as in his new wife no. gets um, chucked out of the air. The boot, yeah. Yeah, that's not very nice. <laughs> You've really taken against the story. Yeah, it's just a bit mean, really. <laughs> and But I do like the fact that he saw <laughs> 12 blokes that looked a bit like his ex fiance and he's like, these are some good-looking fellas. Yeah. I can't quite put my finger on <laughs> it, but they are. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> You're, you're hired. You've got the job, lads. <laughs> Step on in. Come here. Let me show you around. Oh, that's funny. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you know, along those lines, there's some quite interesting s- stuff along those lines in here, especially like around gender swapping, right? Yeah. So you've got the like, women are dressing up as men. Yeah. She succeeds by mixing up her genders. She gains access to the king by pretending to be a man. She also like passes the lion's gender tests. Yep. Where, you know, which obviously shows how stupid the tests are. Within the logic yeah, of the story, it shows how stupid the tests yeah. are. So it's like by proving that she's a man, she gets to be with the king. And as you say, he's also hired them because he's thought they were handsome fellows. <laughs> so he's kind of attracted to what he thinks are 12 identical men. Yeah. So that's kind of like unusual. We haven't seen anything like that so. before. I would say so. We've not come across that before. It's almost in the subtext, but just... Just, just out of reach. Just, just coming out of the, <laughs> the subtext. But... Um, I suppose ultimately it's all about like transformation, which yeah. all these stories are. So, and, you know, and in this series, we've seen people turning into swans, a beast, a frog. And this one kind of just flirts with the idea of transforming into a man, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. all just about changing your identity and your, who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Is there anything to be made of the fact that the story is called The Twelve Huntsmen, mm. yet throughout the story they're referred to as hunters? I thought I got away with it. Um, <laughs> you've died. <laughs> what have I done? I thought I got off scot free. I uh, so okay. So oh, the no. issue there is that once again Matt's messed up a little bit here. So in our story list, I wrote down many oh. years ago that this story is called the Twelve Huntsmen. We read a Margaret Hunt translation. That's the copy we use. Uh, and when I came to uh, finally get round to this episode i noticed that it's actually called in our book the 12 hunters <gasps> matt what have you done so where i remembered i changed it to huntsman but sometimes i did read hunters now that's obviously a translation thing because yeah. in many uh, editions it's called the 12 huntsman it, like many english editions it's uses the term the 12 huntsman okay this book uses hunters I thought Huntsman just sounded better. So I was like, and I'd already said it a million times. So I thought, let's just stick with that. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I did go into a whole thing at looking at the difference between what actually is a hunter and what's a huntsman. Like, what's the difference between them? Yeah. But maybe life's a bit too short for that. Probably. I was just hoping that you wouldn't even notice. (laughs) You totally picked up on it. Sloppy. I'm on to you. Criminal. Yeah. (laughs) Now, one thing that you you mentioned... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that you weren't a fan of but the kind of main theme of this story is that idea of the forgotten first fiance yeah and this is a bit of a theme in folk tales and one that we've seen before as well sweetheart roland right yes as the groom leaves the heroine promising i'll come back for you she turns into a lonely milestone and he never returns and then later he's going to marry someone else but he then hears his first fiance singing. Yeah. And then he's like, right, no, actually, I'm going to marry you. Other bride, get out. Right, yeah, he got chucked her out. And in the Grimm's annotations to the Twelve Huntsmen, they note how um, this forgetting the first fiance occurs in Sweetheart Roland as well. And they also say we find it in three works of Giambattista Basile. Oh. Um, but I've also read that it occurs in about five other Grimm stories as well. So we have not seen the last of that trope. Have we Have we read any of the, uh, those five? Not yet. Oh, okay. So it's just Sweetheart Roland and this one. Yeah. Oh, We've got okay. more to go. Excellent. Yeah. 
Or is that excellent? Well, I feel like you're not a fan no, of that. No, I don't really concept. like that. Well, in Sweetheart Roland, it works so well because it was so heartbreaking. And we hated Roland. Yeah, absolutely. But all of these stories have like a really fickle man who just always lands on his feet and it's really annoying. But we're always on the side of uh, the woman in the story, yeah. right? She's like taking centre stage. She is, but... I just feel like in both cases she's better off with that one. But uh, that's just my thinking. <laughs> I th- yeah, I mean, actually, I wish you could just say to him, like, whatever, Prince. Yeah. See you later. In that moment, he's like, oh, you're my... Yeah, come on, it. Huntsman. Yeah. Let's get out of here. And then they ride off. And we and we could have an entire series, The Adventures of the Twelve Huntsmen. I yeah. mean... That would be amazing. Now that I'd listen to. Yeah. Not should, this, this mock-happy... Yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. Now, Adam, the yes. days of watching me struggle through German pronunciations may well be over. Really? Our German language helper, Lisa Marie, has sent us a recording of the German title of the story. So welcome to Pronunciation Corner. Yeah, It's officially established. It's really happening. Oh, Lisa Marie, coming to the rescue. Oh, yeah. So, in German, this story is called... Die Zwölf Jäger. Die Zwölf Jäger. Die Zwölf Jäger. Okay. Or the Twelve Huntsmen. However, originally, in the first edition of the fairy tales, it had a different title. It was called... Der König mit dem Löwen. Der König mit dem Löwen. The King and the Lion. Whoa! It was about the King and his Lion. It was. And subsequently, uh, from the second edition onwards, it was changed to the Twelve Huntsmen. Good choice, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, mean, I don't know about you, but for me, the Twelve Huntsmen is like one of the best title awards. I can't believe it's taken you this long to choose it, honestly. Lost the first ever poll as well. I thought it was a shoe in. Did it really? Is, is it just me? I can't even remember Who this. thinks that's a good title? It's a good title, Matt, but I'm oh. not sure it stands out amongst the sea of amazing titles we've had. Not, a, mean, not a you, maybe. Although, like, if this... Was the story the same? Because if the story was the same, then yeah. I think the it king, was the same, yeah. The king yeah. and his lion is not the right title for that story. The lion yeah. is so unimportant. The lion can do one. Look, just because you hate the lion. <laughs> I hate that lion. <laughs> Why does he keep that lion? <laughs> we just had our um, our latest Q&A episode. Our second one's probably just come out about now. And uh, someone asked, what are the characters you hate the most? <laughs> I feel like if we oh, waited a little bit. Oh, yeah. He would have been there for sure. <laughs> The sex is magical life. <laughs> oh, oh, it's brilliant. Uh, the grim source for the story was Jeanette Hassenflug. Okay, she met told, her before. We have met her before. Um, some of the other stories Jeanette provided for the collection include The Three Spinners, Mr. Corbs, The Wishing Table, The Gold Ass, The Cudgel and the Sack, one of our all-time favourites. Yes. One of the goats. Oh. Literally in that case. Wow. Yeah. Puss in Boots. What? And uh, get this, Little Red Riding Hood. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, like cemented, like top tier status right there. That's big league stuff yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, she also provided several of the uh, now erased stories too. 
Um, so stories that are no longer in the collection, including one that has always intrigued me, but I've never brought up. Hurley Burley Butts. Hurley Burley Butts? There's a story called Hurley Burley Butts. Is that on the list? Uh, no. No, it's not. It shouldn't be on our list because it's, uh, it's an array Because, I mean, obviously, if I'd seen that title, I would have picked it. Hurley Burley Butts. No, Hurley what? Hurley Burley Butts. Hurley Burley? Hurley Burley Butts. Hurley Burley Butts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shall I read it? I've never actually read it. I can read it. <laughs> so. Oh, not just now. I wanted to hear no, no, it. Oh, no, you want to hear it? No, we've got, we got other stuff going on, okay, mate. Sorry, okay. sorry. Fully booked tonight. Okay, um, enough, Come back enough. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some hurly-burly butts. Oh, can't wait. Now, um, as you said, we've, we've heard of Jeanette Hassenflug before. Um, we've heard of the Hassenflugs before. Mm-hmm. They were a wealthy family descended from French Huguenots who are now living in Hanau in Germany. Mm-hmm. Jeanette and her three sisters provided around 30 of the fairy tales in the collection. So a significant contribution to the Grimm's uh, fairy tales. Almost a third of volume one. And also the the Brothers Grimm's sister, Lottie, their little sister, she married Ludwig Hassenflug, who I believe was Jeanette's brother. Oh, so she became... Part of the family. A brother-in-law's wife? Great brother-in-law? No, I don't know. <laughs> Second brother-in-law, twice removed. So, someone did ask us in our in that Q and A I just mentioned as well if we'll do a biography episode on the Hassan flukes, and um, and uh, I think that could actually thinking about it, I thought about it afterwards that Being could be quite good. Or else in the Wild family, who were probably the other main uh, right. family to be involved with the storytelling. But yeah, just to see the kind of behind the scenes, like where these stories actually came from. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they might be uh, folk stories that have been told for hundreds or thousands of years. They might have been written down by the Grimms, but all that came via often these uh, young women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so that could be quite good one day today. No, that sounds interesting. Now, thinking of the woman as uh, hunters, Adam, that Mm -hmm. kind of put me in mind of uh, ancient mythology. Mm. In particular, Artemis. The... God of hunting, goddess of hunting. Exactamundo. Yes. So, yeah, she's goddess of the hunt. Yeah. But you've also got Atalanta, who was a Greek heroine. She was a huntress that took part in the Caledonian boar hunt. Over in Rome, we have Diana as well, or Di- Diana, I don't know how you pronounce it, who was goddess of the hunt as well, among other things. And apparently Diana had an independent origin from Artemis, but kind of like absorbed her legend from Greek mythology. So they kind of became indistinguishable in the Roman world. Right. So women were deeply connected to hunting yeah. in antiquity. And so in the 12 Huntsmen, it might be kind of an echo of these beliefs and cultural associations of women with hunting that has filtered down into this story, possibly. It's interesting, though, because in the story, they still, in order to turn into hunters, turn themselves mm-hmm. into men. Yeah. Which I assumed was just, you know, that was seen as a male role and that's mm-hmm. what they did. But Yeah, no, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, I'm not qualified to talk about that. No. <laughs> but um, I don't know if women in, in, you know, ancient society hunted as well as men, as in, in, like, in Greek society and mm. Roman society. I don't think they did. But there were at least these stories of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. There are also examples of uh, cross-dressing and gender mixing in mythology too. One story in particular stood out to me, but we're, we basically don't have time to go into this today. I'm okay, really sorry. Here we go. 
Um, well, you just get, you're gonna <laughs> dangle a, a tantalizing story in front of me and then just whip it away and just say, yeah. no, 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 we're not doing that today. Oh, there's go, it's such a juicy carrot about to be dangled, <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. So I found a story, right? Okay. Check this out. Norse mythology. The king of the giants steals Thor's hammer and to get it back, Thor disguises himself as a woman, sort of woos the giant and is going to marry him. Now, believe it or not, that myth has parallels with Little Red Riding Hood. What? So we're not going to do it tonight, I'm sorry, but I, I make a vow here and now that I will tell you the cross-dressing Thor story when we cover Little Red Riding Amazing. Hood. It's got to be done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad we've got that on record. <laughs> Set in stone now. You have to do that. You have to tell me that story. It would be my pleasure. I didn't but think anyone else could lift up his hammer. I'm really confused. Well, hey, look, save it. Yeah, okay. Save your thought. You're okay. going to be. You won't be able to sleep tonight. No, I won't. Wow, how did they pick up Thor's hammer? <laughs> now, though, Adam, we're going to have a swift foray into the forgotten bride trope that we discussed earlier. I've got another story to share with you tonight. Excellent. In looking into the Twelve Huntsmen and the whole forgotten fiancé thing, I happened upon an erased story from the Grimm Collection that uses the forgotten fiancé motif as well as this one. But not only that, I did a double take when I saw that it was called Prince Swan. What? So I was like, what's going on here? This kind of like perfectly ties in the last two episodes together. We've had some swans, we've had a forgotten bride, and now there's an erased story. Merging those two things together. What? And we like to bag an erased story when we can. Absolutely. So uh, I thought, let's do this. This is exciting. You look happy. Yeah, I'm very happy. (laughs) What's it called? The Swan Note? Prince Swan. Prince Swan? Prince Swan. Okay, so as quick, as quick as possible. Okay. But that is not especially quick, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. There was once a maiden, all alone in a forest. A swan flew up to her and said, I'm not a swan, uh, I'm an enchanted prince. Unspool this ball of yarn in my mouth without breaking it, and I'll be saved and I'll marry you. She took the end. You always look confused. <laughs> okay. she, she took the end of the yarn uh, and went off all day unraveling it until she emerged from the forest. <laughs> And the swan is just sat yeah. there like a giant uh, yarn dispenser. Just yeah. like, ah, just coming out of his mouth. Exactly. Brilliant. And she gets out of the forest, but unfortunately then the thread gets cut in two. It gets caught on a thorn or something. No. Get nicked, gets cut in two. So she's failed. She started crying and ran off. Uh, eventually she ran to a house and she knocked on the door. A woman answered and said, listen, I'd love to offer board and room for you but my husband is a cannibal who will eat you um but if you stay outside you'll be eaten by wild animals bit of a nightmare situation you know what come in and i'll hide you so the girl hid under the bed but the cannibal husband when he came home he smelt her out and he dragged her from under the bed he was about to eat her but the wife pleaded and pleaded and he said all right i'll eat her tomorrow for breakfast now cannibal husband went to bed and the wife took the heroin and said you know run away before my husband awakes Oh, and here's a golden spinning wheel for you. By the way, my name's Sun. What? Nice to meet you. Okay. So the girl ran off, came to another house, and exactly the same thing happened. <laughs> Literally, exactly the same thing happened. What do you mean exactly the same exactly thing happened? Exactly the same thing happened. Another cannibal. Got a cannibal husband, hidden under the bed, takes her out. She was called Sun. No, well, no. So the wife at the end there said, you know, run away. Oh, here's a golden spindle for you. My name's Moon. Lovely to meet you. Next day, same thing happened again. Uh, but this time at the end, the wife said, run away. 
here's a golden reel for you. My name is Star. And she also gave us some extra news. She told her that Prince Swan had actually managed to get back home and that she had actually helped undo the spell. So he was now a prince again. Oh, wow. But he's now married and living very well and happy on the Glass Mountain. Uh, if you just follow that road, you'll reach the Glass Mountain this evening. But there are a lion and a dragon in the way. So have this bread and bacon to pacify them. So she's <laughs> off. I bet the dragon's a bacon guy. The bread's for the lion, right? Well, we never find out. She oh. just She's on her way. She gets to the, the lion and the dragon, chucks them the bread and the bacon. They're both happy. She passes by safely. Nice. And so I'm trying to get through this as quickly as possible. And uh, she gets to the castle. Where the, uh, the castle? Yeah, it's where her forgotten, uh, it's where a swan prince lives. Inside the glass mountain? Yeah, castle on a glass mountain. Nothing right. weird about that. No. She sat down. She started spinning on her like golden gifts. Uh, now, the queen, who's married Prince Swan, uh, she sees the girl spinning on her golden uh, spinning wheel. And she was like, oh, I like that. And she went down and said, do you mind if I have that? It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I the, quite like that. I think I'll take it. The girl said, sure, sure. Of course you can have it. Of course. Just one condition, though. If I can spend the night outside your bedroom. <laughs> she went, what? Well, the queen was like, that's a pretty weird request, but I don't see the harm in it. Deal. Let's do it. So she gives her the spinning wheel. And that night, when the king was in bed with his queen, the girl sat outside <laughs> and she began to sing outside the bedroom door. Doesn't King Swan still think of me? His faithful Julianne, his bride-to-be. She's come from afar where she's seen all three. Sun, moon, star, and face two beasts. Won't King Swan now wake up at least? But the new queen was worried that something might like this might happen, and she drugged her husband so he was deep asleep. Oh, what? Yeah. I, th- I was, was going to say maybe, maybe he was wearing earplugs. This is even worse. <laughs> no. So he's she sang all that for nothing. He's listening to a podcast. Yeah. He didn't hear, he's listening to Grim Reading. <laughs> he's chuckling away in bed. He doesn't hear a word of the song. Until he hears this part of the story, and he's like, yeah. that's me. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Meta. Now, next day, same thing happens again. She's uh, queen wants the golden spindle this time, so they make the deal, and the same thing happens. She sings, but the king has been drugged, so he's asleep. Yeah. Third day, the deal is made again for the golden reel, her final gift. But this time, our girl has guessed what happened, and she makes her own potion and asks the king's servant to put it in his drink. She sits outside the door, sings again. Doesn't King Swan still think of me? Now this time, thanks to the anti-potion. King Swan woke up and he recognised the voice. Whoa. But he acted all cool. And he turned to his new wife and he said, Honey, um, just a hypothetical question. If someone loses a key, gets a new one made, but then finds the old key, which one would they keep? The old key or the new key? This is the pot all over again. The queen, his, uh, his wife, replied, Well, hypothetically, in that very specific situation, you'd obviously keep the old key. Well then, said the king, you can no longer be my wife. I found my first bride again. And the next day, the queen had to go back to her old country, and the king married his true bride. And they were happy till they died. The end.
raced through well, that. He really did. Um, same as last time, the analogy doesn't work. What are you talking about? <laughs> keys. No, no, you lose your key. Well, if you lose your key, you get a new key. That's called changing your locks. Yeah. So when you find your old key again, it's not going to be of any use. If you've then found your old key and chucked your new key away, you'd be stuffed. You'd be locked out of your house. What are you talking about? So what you're suggesting is he should. He, he's propped up. He's like got his uh, arm on the pillow. He's yeah. like propped up. He's like, what would you say in this situation? She should say, well, you'd keep them both. Yeah. And then he's meant to say, go and open the door. <laughs> is that what's meant to happen there? Yeah. Well, I'm not applying it to the story. I'm just saying it doesn't work. And uh, <laughs> several oh, elements man. from other stories. Oh, mate, that story is a massive mashup of so many stories we've Sun, heard before. Sun, Moon, and Stars, and the Glass Mountain of Seven Ravens. We've got in there the Three Spinners is in there. Yep. Hoppo by Thumb, if you remember that French story by Charles Perrault. Six Swans, obviously. Twelve Huntsmen, obviously. And there's even the, like the magic flight theme from Fledgling, sort of chucking something to pacify the creatures. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, and that's... Kind of the tip of the iceberg. Oh, the cannibal, there. and she hides her. Like, it wasn't a cannibal, but... Are you thinking of the robber bridegroom? Maybe. Yes, I think I might the be. cannibals. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true, yeah. Wow. Hey, well, it's certainly not our first cannibal we've met. No. That's for sure. Amazing. I mean, yeah. So many stories in there, totally. Wow. Well, good to squeeze that one in, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Weird themes we're getting in Series 4. Cannibalism. Swans. Sexist lions. Animal spouses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't have anything interesting to say about that story, except uh, the source for the Prince Swan was Margaret Marianne Wilde, one of the wild girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the second edition of the fairy tales onwards, it was relegated to the notes under the iron stove, which is a story in volume two. Mm. Um, oh, there was one thing, actually, that I forgot to mention earlier that applies to this one. It's quite cool how, like... The forgotten bride or fiancé trope starts where other fairy tales finish. So the start of The Twelve Huntsmen is a princess and a prince are in love, happy together, and they're about to get married. Right. That's normally the end. end. But in this trope, it's the start of the story, which I thought was quite cool, actually. Uh, That is cool. Yeah. Do you think we could... Find a story we've read already and tack that on the yeah. end and pretend it's a sequel. Totally can. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One, but I'm sure we can. And then on the end of that, you tack on Snow White, where it's like happily ever after. Then they have a daughter. Then their daughter's growing up. She's becoming more beautiful. Then you, it's just a big loop. We can just Grim make cinematic it go. universe. Yeah. Yes, please. Oh, that's good. Oh man, right. Scores. Scores. Score time. Yeah, score time. This is the part of the podcast where Matt and I uh, give the story a rating each out of 10 for a possible maximum of 20 points. Um, I don't feel like this one's going to be a 20-pointer. I don't think so. Last series, it was The Wonderful Musician you got really riled up about. Mm. I feel like it's happened again. It's happened. It made me angry. Not quite as angry as that, but still pretty angry. No, I mean, that guy was... Let's not get wound no, up about no, him no, again. No, 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 no. <laughs> <Calm down. laughs> breathe, everybody. It's over now. Think of palm trees and a cool breeze. <laughs> Everything's oh, right. Now I'm thinking of the lion. No, no, no. I, I don't like the lion, but the lion no, we've established was that. weird. 
I like weird things. Oh, it's a contradiction. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it's a total contradiction. Mm. This is where it all falls apart. But it wa- ultimately wasn't that good a story, I don't think. I think you said it earlier. You said, like, it's disappointing. It's, a, it, it's set up so well. Premise promises so much and delivers disappointingly little. Mm. It becomes really offensive. It does. It really does. <laughs> and n- no use was made of the 12 identical no. women. Nothing. Dressed as men. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. So, yeah. I don't know. I 4.5. 4.5. Which is one of the lowest scores I've ever given. But it's not that low. I have to tell myself that. <laughs> That is one of the lowest scores you've ever given. Yeah, you I haven't know. gone below um, five for a while, but I, I think you're really nailing the scores at the moment. Okay, good. I, I f- probably shouldn't say this, but I mean, last few episodes, I feel like, I don't know what, I've gone haywire. Have you, you? You, I feel, have kind of nailed the Brother Lustig score and the Six Swan score. Okay, good. You gave Lustig nine, Six Swans five. You know, very clear, decisive scores there. Yeah. I was just a bit like, oh, I don't know. And I gave Lustig 7.5 and the six ones 6.5 you've turned into me i've turned into, turned into you oh no what's happened i just need to start getting so angry when i see <laughs> injustice and sexist lines ah <laughs> oh. yeah so i know i think your your scoring is i like it it's feeling stronger bolder more confident yeah. yeah whereas i'm going the other way your scores are all converging onto almost the same score no i wouldn't say that okay i just think of well maybe that is the result but i'm kind of second guessing myself i'm unsure i'm scared of going too high i'm scared of going too low but that's the thing when you get scared like that you end up giving seven seven point fives look at this sage over here (laughs) he knows everything now as if that wasn't me a few months ago yeah (sighs) well okay so i was thinking tonight that maybe it's so wacky and crazy that we'd have a big laugh and it'd be great fun and we'd like all the madness a bit. Go, oh, and then think, oh, maybe actually it's a bit of a joke. And then you'd kind of go, not a massive score, but like above five. Okay. But actually it was like, uh, went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> it did a little bit. <laughs> well, it was more like slowly deflating balloon. <laughs> we just ended the story on a whimper. Ah. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It is. Like the tests. Yeah. Just the the, the lion. Squ- squandered opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I thought maybe another way they could have had it was like the king went out hunting with the huntsman and then he gets in danger. Maybe like the lion turns on him and the hunters save him. You know, a bit right. of action. Yeah, that yeah. could have been a good way to do it. But then I kind of meet, part of me is thinking that you've also got like, it's obviously like, to do with identity and transformation, especially with the 12 identical-looking huntsmen right. who are actually women. There is some like, interesting gender-swapping stuff, which I don't think we'll see again in the fairy tales. I was thinking about five, but I think I might go lower. Actually, you've convinced me. I think okay. I'm going to follow your lead. Oh, wow. 4.5. Really? Yeah. Unanimous score? Unanimous score. It doesn't happen that often, to be honest. I mean... Thinking about it, you could have gone lower, actually. With mm. I did, You didn't seem to think there were any redeeming uh, features to the it. The lion's weird. So you like the lion and hate the lion. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
I don't know. My gut said 4.5 mm-hmm. and I went... Sounds about right. Yeah, with 4.5. So that is a 9 out of 20. Mm. I think it got away with that. I think so. Yeah. 9 out of 20 doesn't sound that bad when you put it like that. But it is rare uh, to get us below 10, really. It is. Because we just love Brothers Grimm Tales. So yeah. why why would we give them below 10 if we could avoid it? Sexist lions. Yeah, that's, that's what it takes. That's why we draw the line. <laughs> the, the pee test. <laughs> Have the peas true. <laughs> oh no. Not we, the peas. You picture the huntsman like, oh no, peas. It's like, <laughs> oh! It's like something, something from Indiana Jones where yeah. they're like, oh god, be careful where you tread. <laughs> yeah, it's peas. <laughs> it's peas, girls. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, oh, it's ludicrous. Uh, just before we go, Adam, uh, I'd like to um, share with you some fairy tale news. Well, not really news so much as just sort of like uh, noticing fairy tales in our everyday, normal, uh, outside Grimcastle life. Okay. So uh, you and I talked the other day. Um, I think we mentioned on the podcast about how. We're like noticing fairy tales popping up everywhere yeah. now more and more. You told me the other day that there was a section on the Brothers Grimm's on the quiz show Pointless, right? Exactly, yeah. A whole round on that. Also, I noticed the other day um, uh, Peter Dinklage got involved in the kind of like uh, controversy around the new Snow White movie that they're making. Did you see this? No, I didn't see this at he all. He started talking about like it's a bit weird having the like dwarves that we literally just reviewed in our oh, yeah. patron-only podcast the the... Snow White and the Huntsman, a ten-year-old movie where they had photorealistic dwarves, uh, um, like full-height actors as playing dwarves. Yeah. And there was a bit of uh, controversy around that. As well. yes. So yeah, I mean, it all kind of happens at the same time. Wow. Uh, something else was brought to my attention at the beginning of the year as well, and I kept forgetting to share it with you. Have you ever seen the Netflix show Explained? No, but I know of it. It's like mini documentaries on by random Vox. topics. I think so. I think it's by Vox on Netflix. It's, yeah, it's their kind of thing. Yeah. Now, the opening episode of the last series of Explained was fairy tales. What? And I think someone at Netflix is listening to Grim Reading. No, come on now. They interviewed Jack Zipes and Maria Tatar. They're both on it. It's all like talking ATU types, like the original version versus the final version, the weird, like, creepy stuff that goes on in these stories that you wouldn't expect. It was like a much tighter Grim Reading episode (laughs) with visuals. Um, Yeah, I couldn't believe it. That's the opening episode of the series. So if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. And see how much we've been ripped off. Yeah. See if we need to get lawyers involved. Netflix, you could have just called. Yeah, come on. We're here, we're, we're sitting by the phone. Instead of interviewing Maria Tatar and Jack Zipes, <laughs> you could have interviewed a couple of guys who've already interviewed them. Come on. You can see the like uh, banner along the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Matthew Hughes, Adam Field. Two men. <laughs> I think they know something. <laughs> Amateur grimologists, I think you'll, you'll Amateur find. Amateur grimologists, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if they want to do an, another one, we're, we're open, okay. Yeah. So Netflix employee... Just just send a pigeon. Come on. If we don't pick up the phone. I don't think the phone's plugged in, but we've got a dovecote. Yeah, yeah. Do, do pigeons go in dovecotes? Do they get on? I pigeons think, and doves? Well, I, I upgraded, actually. I only send my messages through doves now. Ah, okay. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll watch the episode and pass judgment then if I think we've been ripped off. So there's just a little fairy tale news for you. Thank you very much. Well, I think all that remains in this particular episode is to give another shout-out to 
even more of our wonderful patrons. So, without further ado, we'd both like to say thank you to Jennifer Madar, Tracy Cullen, Maria Corrigan, Jennifer Palmer, Sarah Neville, Elizabeth Oliver, Andrew Johnson, Esther Schoon, Maggie, and Star. Thank you so much for your continued support. It means a lot. And welcome to Grim Castle. Yes. Also, if any of you are huntsmen, because that's one of our tears, apologies <laughs> for tonight's story. That is true. You guys are way better huntsmen. I mean, those huntsmen were good. Yeah, were you know, let's, let's not get bogged down in this story again. No, I think no. we've got to leave it behind us. We do have yeah. to. Because the episode mm. is drawing to a close. And, um, is. It's been fun, despite a slightly disappointing story. Temperatures got a little high. Things were said. You know, these are powerful stories. They though, are. You know? They elicit strong emotions. They do. And sometimes you just have to say, no, no, stop it. You're a magical sexist lion and I, I don't like it. Sit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of powerful stories, next up, next time, Adam, we have got uh, the patron chosen story, The Golden Bird. <gasps> Golden Bird. I'll see you then. Well, that's next episode. Keep it grim, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>